the reality is that as we come together this morning and we gather with God's people, we're reminded that the king is alive. And because the king is alive, it changes everything. It changes our present circumstances. It changes our relationships. It changes our church. It changes our community. It changes our culture. At least that's the hope of the gospel, isn't it? Amen? And so today we get an opportunity to renew our understanding of God's call to experience the newness of life in Christ, to renew our commitment as disciples and followers of Jesus, to renew our commitment to the mission and vision of the church that he's called us to be a part of, our spiritual family here at Faith Covenant Church. As Christians, do we understand and remember that God's promise is that all things, including you and me, will be made new? 2 Corinthians 5.17 tells us, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, anyone, the new creation has come. It's already done. it's, It's accomplished. There's nothing more that needs to happen. The new has already come. It has arrived. It was here when you showed up this morning. The old has passed away. The new is here. And we celebrate that, we we look for that, we long for the, the newness of Christ in our lives. And yet we also realize, don't we, that this new life in Christ is a is an ongoing process. Right? It, it, it's, a, it's a transforming process in our lives that, that really becomes the lifelong journey of following Jesus as his disciples as we become more and more like him. In one sense, you could say we're being renewed day after day, month after month, year after year. And yet in another sense, we also know that there are seasons and there are times in our lives where we are in need again of a time of renewal, a reawakening in our spirits, a a re-inspiration, a fire that, that ignites our passion and our hope and our desire to see God's goodness become a reality in our lives. And especially at this time of year, right? New year. (laughs) The beginning of a new calendar season in our lives. Many of us are thinking and planning to to renew our commitments to make positive and proactive changes in our lives. How many like me, uh, you don't have to raise your hand if you don't want to, but I'm going to confess that I have begun a new eating plan uh, this year. Yes. Yes. Amen. All right. Yes. Several of you. Okay. We can uh, commiserate and maybe encourage one another in that. One of the things that's a part of my eating plan is, is to drink lots of water throughout the day. So if I have to take a break mid-sermon and uh, <laughs> take a little bio break, you know that it's because I'm trying to be healthier. This is also a time of year when we as a church try to review our mission and vision and invite each of us to recommit ourselves to the shared mission that we believe God has called us to pursue, not only in our own lives individually, but collectively as a community of Christ in this place. So over the next three Sundays, we're going to be exploring what it might look like for each of us and as a church to renew our commitments to God and to one another. 
and to experience the genuine life-transforming relationship with Jesus that he promised us we would experience if we commit ourselves to him and to experience a new inspiration and a new hope that even if we are living in mourning and ashes today, there is light and there is hope for us in Christ. But I want to suggest to us as well that the challenge is that while on the one hand we know we want Jesus to change us and to bless us and to transform us into the new creation that he has come and he has promised to give us, on the other hand, we often resist change by the skin of our teeth, don't we? We too easily fall back into the old patterns of behavior that while they are familiar and they're comfortable because they're familiar They don't necessarily serve us all that well anymore. So here at Faith Covenant Church, we've been working at this process of transformation and renewal as a faith community for a number of years now. And if you've been with us on this journey, you know that we've taken time to review our history as a church. And if you're newer and and weren't aware, we are now a 143-year-old church. This is a historic church in Sumner. This is the first church in the Puyallup River Valley before Washington was even a state. And as we look back and and we recognize our history and the story of God's call on this faith community over the years and all of the changes that we've been through, we're reminded that this church began as a mission outpost on the mission field of the Northwest Territories in 1877. And so that part of our DNA as a faith community is that God continues to call us to explore the question of what does it mean for us to continue to be that mission outpost on the mission field of the Northwest Territories in the 21st century. Because make no mistake, men and women, we live in a mission field. As we've talked, we've learned about the challenges and the risks of navigating change as a faith community and even as individuals. And we recognize that change is inevitable, right? Change happens. And we know that healthy things grow and and, and growing things change. It's not if we're going to change, it's when we're going to change. And so the question is, how do we respond to change when it comes? And the risk, again, is that we somehow think that we can resist change. And if, if, we, if we resist strong enough or we try and control our lives enough, we can, we can force the world to stay the same, all the while deceiving ourselves that, that, that the world is going on without us. Unwittingly, we can even come to resist the work of God in our lives because of our fear and our anxiety about change. And our desire here at Faith Covenant Church is not to work against God, but to be working with God, to experience the transformation of life that comes through Christ, to keep in step with the Spirit, which is our theme uh, from this last summer. Ultimately, our final goal in pursuing what we have called our vitality pathway, our life-giving pathway in Christ as a church, was to develop a, a missional strategy for how do we live out this call of God in our lives. And, and we've kind of put that into a, uh, what we hope is a little bit of a, a pithy phrase, right? We believe that God has called us to pursue a real life together, connecting, growing, and serving. So what do we mean by real life? We believe that that God has called us to be authentic people. We are real people. It's not about how good we are. It's about how good God is. 
Each one of us in this room is living with brokenness and sinfulness and messed upness in our lives. And your messed upness and my messed upness often friction, create friction with one another. And we have to navigate that and figure out how do, we, how do we work through all of this change and difficulty when we're already messed up. We, we can't say, hey, it's about how good we are. It's the fact that we all need God and we come week after week to humble ourselves and to acknowledge our need of a Savior. And that the fact that Christ is alive is what gives us hope because it's not about our own goodness. It's about his goodness in us. And when we allow him to transform our hearts from the inside out, we begin to love each other, not with our own brokenness, but with his love, which makes makes us whole. We, We have patience for one another with his patience, which gives us grace and mercy. And we have passion to reach out and make a difference in one another's lives and to make a difference in the community around us. We are just real people, but the reality is we serve a real God. We serve a God who is alive and who we can walk with in relationship with and who speaks to us daily through his word and through his spirit and in community with God's people. And as we read his word and we, we hear the voice of, of God's people, we understand that he's given us a real mission to fulfill. You see, being a part of church isn't just about being a church attender. It's being about a a covenant partner with Christ in the mission that God gave him to bring light and to love to a lost and a hurting world. We remember, right, that Jesus said that the greatest commandment was to love God and love others. In Matthew 22, 37 and 38, he said, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. The second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. See, we can't separate our vertical relationship with God from our horizontal relationships with those around us. We live out our faith and our religion in how we treat and care for one another. Therefore, our pathway of discipleship leads us to Jesus. And we understand that there are three key areas where we can live this out in our journey together. So we put together what we are calling our discipleship pathway is that we pursue a real life together. We want to connect with God and with others. We want to grow in our relationship with Christ as we grow in our relationships with others. And we want to serve, empowered by the Spirit of Christ in us, to serve here in the church, to serve God's people, but then also to be sent out and serve the world that Jesus sent his disciples to serve with good news. Now, I I want to pause here and just acknowledge that as we've talked about this mission and this vision as a church, I, I want to acknowledge that this is not a new idea. Right? This isn't our uh, quick, get-rich-quick strategy for Faith Covenant Church to somehow have a new trendy way of doing ministry or a new program that's somehow going to make us stand out among all the churches. This is our way of trying to live into what the Bible has revealed about what Christ has called us to be. That's what it means to be church together. And in that sense, really, to live this out and to get good at doing this together, men and women, it requires a fundamental change in the way we think and in the way we behave with one another. See, at its best, this vision to pursue a real life together is a vision of a shared life that challenges us to transform the way we do life itself in relationship with other people. 
It's a shift in the culture of our relationships as a church community. And the reality is that in order to experience life together in a new way, we have to first allow Christ to transform us on the inside so that we can live out this vision together. So in the series ahead, over the next three weeks, I want to invite you to consider how God might be inviting you to to open yourself to the way he wants to transform you again, to renew you, to renew your relationship with him in the season ahead. Now it takes courage to change. We acknowledge that. Another word for transformation that's become more kind of in vogue in our culture, and if you're in the business world, you might be familiar with this word. How many are familiar with the word innovation? right? Innovation. In fact, the mantra in the business world today is innovate or die, right? Innovate or die. Why is that? Because change happens, right? And, and, and as individuals and, and as organizations and businesses and as churches, if we're not able to, to change and to adapt and to transform along with the needs of our culture and, and the call of God in our lives, we, we become stagnant. We become hard-hearted. We become brittle, and we're not able to go on the journey where God may want to lead us. And so, One Christian missiologist has suggested that most people, most companies, most churches actually fail to innovate. They fail to transform. Uh, They fail to experience genuine and lasting change because they fail to understand what true innovation is all about. So over the next three weeks, we're going to explore what I'm going to suggest as three obstacles to true innovation in our church and in our lives, things that prevent us from experiencing transformation. You know, Jesus understood transformation well. Do you think Jesus was about innovation? Do you remember his words from Matthew 9, verses 16 and 17, where he said, no one sews a patch of unshrunk cloth on an old garment? How many sewers do we have in the room? For the patch will pull away from the new garment, making the tear worse, right? Uh, you, you, you take new cloth and put it on an old garment, and the new cloth hasn't been washed yet. And what happens when you wash new cloth? It shrinks, right? And the old cloth has already been shrunk and maybe even kind of stretched out, so it's already thin. There's no more give left in the old cloth, right? So when the new cloth shrinks, it pulls away from the old cloth and the tear gets worse. Neither do people put pour new wine into old wineskins. If they do, the skins will burst, the wine will run out, and the wineskins will be ruined. No, they pour new wine into new wineskins, and both will be preserved. What is the key lesson in Jesus' teaching here? What might be the key takeaway for us as we anticipate how do we live healthy and whole lives as a faith community and pursue real life together? Can I suggest to you that Jesus is talking about the ability to change? The willingness to be flexible enough to adapt to your surroundings, to respond when God calls us to something new so that we can experience change. 
And if we're not willing to change, if our hearts have been hardened, if we've become brittle and inflexible and we want to cling to the status quo or, or, or revel in the past, we run the risk that, that, that the new thing that God might want to do might simply burst our bubble and we're left disappointed and disenfranchised and wondering where God is in our lives. You see, old wineskins, they pour the wine into a new wineskin as the wine uh, ferments. It produces gases, right? And, and, and the wine expands. And so you need a, a wineskin that will be able to stretch and expand. And if you have a new wineskin that's made out of some kind of an animal skin, right? Whether it's a, a goat or a pig or a cow, we know that that new wineskin is, is supple and it's flexible and it's stretchy. You know, you, have you ever worked with leather? You have fresh leather and it's nice and oiled. I mean, it's, it's flexible and there's give to it. But over time, as that wineskin stretches out, it becomes thinned. And then over time, it begins to harden and the the oils and the the moisture evaporates and it becomes hard and brittle. And so if you try and put more wine in and and to expand it even further, it's going to do what? Crack, right? And all the wine's going to leak out. And so if you want to have an effective wineskin, it has to be a new wineskin that has flexibility, that, that, that can receive the new wine and, and grow with what happens on the inside. You see, Jesus is wanting us to understand that, that our flexibility and our adaptability really starts with the flexibility in our own hearts. Do you have a flexible heart? Do you have an elastic faith? Do you have the ability to, to move and to grow with what God wants to do in your life? Because too often God wants to do something new in us, but we resist and we hold back and we harden our hearts to the new thing. And as a result, we find all of these cracks forming in our lives and our relationships and we wonder why it's just not working out. You put new wine in new wineskins, Jesus said. In order to experience renewal in our lives, men and women, in our church, I want to suggest for us this morning is Jesus is telling us that our starting point is we have to come to him and ask him to soften our hearts again. He has to make us flexible on the inside. He has to to open our thinking to new possibilities. He has to allow us to expand our perspective so that we can walk with and work with the ways that God is wanting to lead us. Now, we know that discipleship to Jesus is really all about the transformation of our lives. It's about the process of continual innovation in our hearts. And so what we're going to talk about over the next three weeks is is three things, three obstacles that can get in the way of of our ability to innovate, to to experience life transformation as a church. I'm going to go through all three of them very quickly today as a teaser. And then each week, over the next three weeks, we're going to drill down into each one. Do you understand that that most organizations, most churches, and can I dare say most people, fail to experience innovation and transformation in their lives Because of a failure of imagination. A failure of imagination. We come to the point in our lives, whether it's due to age or or, or painful life circumstances, that we think that the way it is, is the way it's always been, and it's the way it's always going to be. We we lose the ability at some point in our lives to imagine a different possible future. 
We get so locked into thinking that life is the way it is and it can't be any other than we're imagining it that we lose the ability to dream new dreams and to see new visions. And without the ability to imagine a different possible future, how can we hope that we can receive anything new from God other than what we already have? Our past often dictates how we think and imagine about the present or fail to imagine about the future. This is uh, Martin Luther King Jr. holiday weekend, right? What was Martin Luther King Jr.'s most famous sermon? I have a dream. Why was it so powerful? Because Martin Luther King represents a people in the midst of our culture that were continually oppressed, that had no rights, that were abused and mistreated and treated as second-class citizens, not even fully human. And yet in the midst of the ashes of his culture, he stood up and was he, what, is he, what he read in God's word led him to believe in a different possible future. And he said, I have a dream that we can be united. That it doesn't have to be this way. I've, I've seen an image uh, on the mountaintop and I might not make it there with you, he said, but someday we're going to get there. Was that Martin Luther King Jr.'s dream? That's God's dream. That's God's dream that, that, that Martin found in Scripture and, and that was inspired in him by the Holy Spirit that he shared with his people to give them hope in the midst of their own ashes. So many times, men and women, we get locked into thinking that because it's always been this way, it's always going to be this way. And if we let go of the way it is, somehow the, the future is going to be worse than today. And so we hold on tightly to what we have And we don't open ourselves to the possibility that God might want to be doing something different and new. Now, here's a real-life example right from Faith Covenant Church, right? This summer, uh, I and my family had a chance to take a renewal break, and we were away for three months. And and so we thought the attendance was going to drop a little bit during the summer because people go away on vacation, and the senior pastor's not going to be here. So why don't we go from two services to one service, and and, and we'll just kind of hopefully make it a little more comfortable for the people who come, right? Well, you know what happened over the summer? The church grew. (laughs) And I got back from from vacation and people said, we really like worshiping together at 10 o'clock. We really like being in the same room. But you know what? We know we have to go back to two services because we don't have room for all the people. And so we kind of started from this assumption that because that's the way it's always been, that's the way we have to do it. And so we made plans to go back to two services, right? Well, the conversations continued to happen behind the scenes where I begin to, to hear people's heart and to hear what's going on. I said, you know, maybe God's calling us to think differently about this. Maybe we shouldn't assume that we, because we've never done it this way, we can't do it differently. And so what did we do? We cut down part of the stage and we put more chairs in the room. We began to make plans. We got rid of the wall and we don't even have a screen now. So we're still in the midst of changes and we're trying to make room for more people. And, and, and you know what? People have said they're, they're loving the energy and the experience of what's happening in this room on Sunday morning. Now, if we had just assumed that because we didn't have enough seats in the room and there was nothing we could do about it, we had to go back to two services, we might have missed the good thing that God was wanting to do. And do you realize that now our average Sunday attendance has increased by 15% every Sunday just in the last four months? Right? 
That's on average an additional 34 people every Sunday. And if you factor in the fact that most people attend church one out of every three to four Sundays, (laughs) we're estimating that represents a hundred or more people who are new to Faith Covenant Church just this year, just this fall. You see, when we allow God to soften our hearts and to expand our thinking and to trust in him to follow his call in our lives, no matter what we think we're capable of doing on our own, when God gives us new dreams to dream, he gives us a different possible future to experience together. Which then really leads us to the second obstacle that often we struggle with, and that is we have a failure of implementation. We can have a failure of imagination, but then we can also have a failure on the other side, a failure of implementation. Most strategic consultants will tell you that most strategic plans fail. Most new diets fail. (laughs) Most New Year's resolutions fail. Why? Because of failure of implementation, the lack of the ability to follow through for the long haul. Right? We get the new idea. We're inspired by the dream. It's like, okay, we're willing to dream a big dream. And so we step out, and for about two weeks, we hit the gym faithfully. And then it's like, oh, I'm really tired, and I don't know if I could make it today. Wow, that pizza looks really good. Maybe just one piece. And over time, we struggle to follow through and to implement the commitments that we've made to ourselves and we've made to our God. See, our our, our current culture tells us that that we can't do it any differently, right? Because our our current culture is familiar. It's what we know. It's what we're good at. And, and, And the tendency is always to slide back to what we know and to what we're familiar with. Uh, One one, uh, uh, leader uh, quote says, culture eats strategy for lunch. Culture eats strategy. You can have all the dreams you want. You can put all the plans together. You can block out your calendar for the next 365 days and say, here's what I'm going to work out. And here's how I'm going to balance my checkbook. And here's how I'm going to manage my time. But, but if you're not dealing with the culture that you're living in, the culture of, of your home, the culture of your church, the culture of your workplace, the culture that we live in in our country, it, it pushes us back to the status quo. It forces us into what we're already doing. And so change rarely happens because culture eats strategy for lunch. If you were with us in the fall, there were three key lessons that that I came back from our sabbatical break with that I think are are intended to help us learn how to better implement the changes that are required in order for us to live a real life together. And if you remember what those three key lessons were, we call them three big rocks. Number one is we have to learn to travel light. Right? In our prosperous, materialistic, busy culture, there are too many options and our schedules are over full and we don't have time or margin to, to pursue anything else in our lives. And so if God wants to come in with something new, what's our response? Oh, it sounds good, God, but I just can't add one more thing. We have to begin to offload some of the things in our lives to make room 
for the things that God might want to bring new. And some of those things might be good things. Some of those things might even be God things. That, that They're good and they're godly, but they're not God's best thing for you and for me in this season. And so we need to learn to travel lighter in life. The second one is we need to begin to pursue shared experiences, right? We can't live a life together unless we have room in our lives for developing real relationships with people where we're not just acquaintances, but we're actually sharing life experiences. Because until we actually share life together, we're not really living a real life together, you know? Uh, We we, want to do real church together, we come to church on Sunday morning and we, we sit for an hour and then we go home and we live our lives independently and we do our own thing and, and, and we go through life without ever really connecting on a deeper level with anybody who knows us or who cares about, cares about us or can help us with what we're struggling with. That's not a real life together, right? Real life together involves pursuing shared experiences with real people out there in the world, our joys, our hopes, our struggles, and even our failures. And then the third one, if you're with us, you remember soul care, 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 soul care. Put the oxygen mask on yourself first, and then help those around you. We have to understand, men and women, that the best gift that we have to give away to those we love the most is the gift of our best self. And if we're living hectic, harried, stretched lives where we become hard-hearted and overtaxed and overwhelmed, we're not giving our best selves away to the people that we love the most, and we don't even have anything left to give to our church and to the people around us to expand our capacity to, to follow God's call in our lives because we're just completely wiped out. And so we have to learn how to care and steward the gift that is me so that I have something of worth to give away to others in God's name. Now we're running short on time, so I'm quickly going to go through the last one here. Uh, If we have a failure of imagination and a failure of implementation, one of the biggest that's hard for us to get our minds around is that this missiologist says that we have a failure of integration. We have a failure of integration. A failure of integration happens... When we fail to make the new, norm, the new behavior the new normal in our lives. You see, it, it can't just be a new trend or a new program that we try out for a couple weeks. It's, it's, not a, it's not a gym class that we go to for, for five weeks and then it's done. It, it, it's a new behavior that becomes the new normal. That's why diets often fail is because diets aren't a normal way of eating. And so you get to the point to say, okay, I did that for a number of weeks, but how do I make it a lifestyle that I can live for the rest of my life? And when we're talking about life transformation, it's not some new thing to try out for a few weeks. It's what is the new lifestyle that God is calling us to experience together look like? And how do we live it out in a real way so that it's not just something new that we're doing, but it becomes the way we do things around here. It's just the way it's done because that's who we are. Most diets fail, most strategic plans fail, most uh, implementation uh, plans fail because we don't integrate them into ways where it becomes the natural and normal part of how we live our lives. 
See, I wanted to share a, a real-life example of one way that here at Faith Covenant Church that has been going on behind the scenes uh, uh, where we can begin to integrate some of these pieces of the discipleship pathway. Uh, Terry Weston, uh, is Terry here? Here she is. She's going to come and just share a little bit of her own experience with a ministry that we have called Grief Share. And, uh, and I hope that you're encouraged by her story. Uh-oh, I'm thinking these batteries are dead. Oh, maybe not. They're coming on. Give that a try. Test. Welcome, One, two, Terry. Three. Can you hear me? Is it on? Is it on? Okay. Okay. <laughs> so, Terry, you, were, uh, you had the opportunity to connect with the people in Grief Share Ministry and to go through our, our Grief Share program. Uh, what was that like for you, and, and what brought you to the opportunity or to that need for that ministry in your life? Um, just actually last Tuesday was one year since I'm... Um, I lost my husband, Doug, Doug Armstrong. Um, a lot of you people know, knew him. And um, I actually had a friend who lost her husband quite a few years ago. And she went to Grief Share here at this church, even though she didn't attend this church. And um, she told me, you need to go, you need to go, you need to find one before the holidays. And um, so um, you can go on to griefshare.org. Um, put in your zip code, and it shows you the closest one. Well, end of August, um, we offered one here at church, so I signed up. Awesome. And as you got uh, connected with the people in Grief Share and started going to the evening uh, meetings, uh, in what ways were you able to find that you weren't only growing in your own ability to deal with grief, but you were actually being a blessing to other people in that process? Um, and Grief Share is for... Um, anyone that lost, you know, that you lost anyone, whether it be a spouse or a child or um, a parent, whatever. And um, so there's other people there with losses too. And um, you make these little connections and you realize you're not the only one that um, is going through some of the same things. And some of the things you think, you know, why am I thinking this? Why am I going through this? Why can't I get past this? And um, Grief Share, it's a 13-week course, and um, it just, every week is individual, and it just takes you step by step to help you deal with the grief instead of burying it away. Awesome. So it's also an opportunity for those who maybe have experienced uh, a loss uh, in grief, maybe not presently, but even in the past, mm -hmm. to maybe use uh, what God has done in them to be a blessing and maybe serve other people through that kind of a ministry. Yes, the um, people that um, um, put on the program, they have excellent, Grief Share Organization has excellent tools, and um, um, all the people that, at least in our group, has gone through grief themselves, and... Um, they say that doing the program and helping present it to other people has even continued to help them through their grief um, experience. That's awesome. Well, thank you so much for sharing your experience and for participating in Grief Share. 
there's going to be an opportunity in the weeks ahead. If you are interested in hearing more about what Grief Share is, or would consider this an opportunity for you to find a place of serving, Janelle Wheeler, who's our team leader, is going to be sharing a little bit more about what it is, and we're going to have a Come See event. So we'd encourage you to look for that and come on out and hear about that. This is a unique way that we can see our discipleship pathway of connecting, growing, and serving, being integrated into a ministry where we get to do all three of those things in community together as we share a very real-life experience of of the pain and the loss uh, and grief that we share when we lose a loved one. And also, um, it doesn't have to be a recent loss. A lot of people may have lost someone quite a few years ago, and um, it is still helpful because you'll find that you get stuck in little aspects Mm -hmm. And it really helps you get through those. Awesome. So, thank thank you. you. Yep. You guys appreciate it, Terry? Well, I've gotten a little wordy today. Surprise, surprise. So I know we're... We're running short on time, but we have a lot that we still want to do today. One of the things that we get to celebrate uh, about being a faith community together is that God brings new people who want to, to join the church and become covenant partners. And so in just a minute, we're going to do that. But as I wrap up the message portion of this morning, just want to invite you again to consider over the next three Sundays how God may be inviting you to reimagine a different possible future that maybe you didn't think was possible. Or to to recommit to implementing on the commitments that you want to make to yourself and to God and to follow through. Uh, Eugene Peterson said that the Christian life is a long obedience in the same direction. Or perhaps that God might be inviting you to explore how you might integrate your faith and your life together in new ways as we explore what God has for us in the future. Isaiah 43, 18 and 19 tells us, forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. See, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I am making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. May it be true for you and for me today and every day. Would you pray with me? God, we thank you for the call of God on our lives and this church. We pray that Jesus will be our lead pastor, that we will follow him as his disciples, and that as we seek to pursue a real life together, God, you will give us eyes to see and ears to hear how we can overcome these common obstacles to change and transformation and rather experience the newness of life in Christ. Help us to imagine, to implement, and to integrate your love in our lives. We ask this in Jesus' name.